Well, the text for this evening is from the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 25. The Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 25. These are the words of our Lord Jesus, the inspired word of God. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. May the, the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. What a great promise. What a great, wonderful promise is contained for us in this one verse. What a great encouragement for every dead sinner, for every living saint, is contained in this verse. What great extensiveness of mercy we see in this one verse. To the dead, it is said, if you will hear the voice of the Lord, you will live. You might think that there is no hope for those who are dead in their sins and trespasses. Is there no hope at all? Our Lord Jesus says, there is hope. Those that hear shall live so it is a question that we all should ask in our own hearts this evening. Have you heard the voice of Jesus? Have you heard him? Do I hear him speak? He himself said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he is dead, he shall live and whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So we should ask, as we take comfort, if we do take comfort from this passage, we should ask, am I hearing the voice of Jesus? Am I hearing the voice of the Son of God? That voice that makes everyone who hears it to live We should all plead, oh Lord, let me hear your voice. You should be pleading with the Lord this evening. Oh Lord, let me hear your voice. If this promise is true, and it is, it, it should be the only concern that you should have right now. Believer and unbeliever, sinner or saint, that the Lord would let you hear his voice. Because his voice is indeed sweet to those who hear it. Just give you a little bit of context from this passage. There are those who think that given the context and here the Lord speaks of another resurrection in the, in the following verses, speaks of the resurrection of the body, which all mankind will uh, go through at his return. Given that context, some commentators believe that when Jesus here is talking about the hour coming, that now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Some believe that uh, here the Lord Jesus is talking about physical resurrection. 
such as what happened in, uh, and is recorded for us in John 11, with Lazarus, the brother of Mary and, and Martha. But I don't think it is. Although the context does speak about physical resurrection, I think what the Lord Jesus is here talking about is about spiritual resurrection. Being raised from the dead in our spirits, having our souls quickened. Hearing with the, the ears of our souls. So what does it mean then? This foreign idea that you might be dead or that you are dead even though you are alive. That you are spiritually dead. What is it to be by nature spiritually dead? Romans chapter 5, Paul speaks of those who are legally under a sentence of death. Those who are guilty and condemned those who are under the curse of the law and the wrath of God, all because of the sin of Adam. Paul later says, after expounding how everyone who is in Adam is dead in their sins and trespasses, because of one man's sin, all have died, he says. He then goes on to say in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And you can see the contrast here in Romans 6 that Paul makes. Sin's ultimate recompense, sin's ultimate reward, sin's ultimate wage. You know what a wage is, right? You go to work, you, you do the work, and at the end of doing that work, you receive a wage. And we are told by Paul that the work of sin carries with it the wage of death. You sin, you receive death in return. But then we read from Paul that the gift of God is eternal life. It's not the wage of God, it's the gift. So it's not something that you receive by virtue of a work that you've done, but a gift that is given to you. And the contrast is quite stark and, and complete. Life eternal is given as a gift. And if life is eternal, the gift of life is eternal, then the gift of death is as well, or the wage of death is as well, eternal. So you could say that all of sin's benefits, all of sin's uh, recompense are summed up, summed up in this eternal death. Complete and utter death. And all God's benefits are summed up in this eternal life. But what it is, what does it mean to be spiritually dead? We don't know that because we don't have spiritual eyes. But we know what it means to be physically dead, don't we? More, some of us more so than others. We know that what it means to be dead in the body. And let me just draw a few contrast or a few parallels between spiritually being spiritually dead and being physically dead. Natural death, physical death in the body, the body becomes without a soul. 
It becomes just a body there. In the spiritual death, the soul is without God. You have a soul, but God is not with you. In the natural death, in physical death, when you die, the body starts to decay. There's a, a disfigurement. A few days later, a few weeks later, you look at that body, even a few hours later, and you start to see facial features changing. There's a disfiguration in the spiritual death. The spirit is disfigured. The soul is disfigured. Natural death makes a body cold. Spiritual makes the soul cold towards God. Makes the soul indifferent. In fact, even more than indifferent. Makes the soul anti, anti and in enmity towards God. When one man dies, he loses all his property. He loses all that he had gathered in this world. You don't take anything with you. Naked you came, naked you go into the tomb. Figuratively speaking, that is. But in spiritual death, all that was given to Adam, our first father, because of his sin, all that fellowship, that communion with God, gets taken away, stripped away. You no longer have that communion, those riches of the communion that was there in Adam, in his innocence, in natural state. But the most stark and most significant parallel is that just like in physical death, you cannot make yourself be raised from the death spiritually. A physical person who dies cannot raise himself up from the dead. A spiritual person who is dead cannot raise himself up from the dead spiritually as well. Resurrection is indeed a miracle. Both physically, like in Lazarus' uh, episode, but in the salvation of a soul, it is no less of a miracle. God takes a a disformed, disfigured soul, completely at enmity with him, and converts it into a loving, God-loving soul. And that's all by a work of the Spirit. It is a work of special, direct, miraculous, effectual calling by the Spirit. The Spirit comes and quickens the soul the Spirit effectually works in the soul with a supernatural, miraculous power. So that the, the conscience that was once at enmity, called towards God, now becomes uh, awakened. So that the heart that once was of stone, as we read in, in, uh, in the prophets, becomes a heart of flesh. So that the conscience that was once ignorant of the judgment to come becomes alarmingly convinced. 
so that the eyes that once was, were blind to see the, the beauty and the glory of God in our Lord Jesus Christ are now open. The scales fall down. The scales fall down. The veil is torn from the mind. And the deep fountains of evil, one commentator says, in the heart are broken up. It's when the spirit works in the mind and in the heart of a dead sinner that the sinner sees himself for, for who he really is, for who you really are outside of Christ. In an awful, desperate condition, completely undone and lost, with no hope of pardon, without righteousness, without any acceptance at enmity with God, without a savior, and without hope. But it is when the, the sinner sees himself in this situation, that it is, if it is the spirit working in his heart, that this awful, terrible condition becomes the most beautiful sight the most beautiful understanding because it is then that the sinner goes out and calls and that's what you should do what must I do to be saved I'm wretch I'm undone I look within me and all is dark and dim and gray I need to look outside of me I, like to, I need to look to something outside of me because when I look above me at this moment because of my sin I look and see an angry God against me I see a hell in my future I see only terrible things because of my present situation and there is, that is where the grace of God is found that when a sinner sees himself in that condition, it is actually the, the grace of God working in his heart. And blessed be God that no poor soul who has ever once uttered these words has ever found them, has ever, who, no, no one who has ever been felt these feelings was ever turned away from Christ. Because those are the beginnings of the good work that Christ does. When you hear the voice of Christ. When you see yourself like that, it's when you hear the voice of Christ and telling you, look to me. Look to my cross. Look to me suffering, wounded, beaten, dying, and yet with outstretched arms. It's then that when you feel yourself so utterly undone that the Savior utters those words, this cross was for you. These sufferings were for you. This blood shed was in your place. This dying was in your place. And these outstretched arms are for you. It's when you see yourself 
labor, uh, heavy laden, and and in need of rest, that he says to you, come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's when you feel yourself to be lost that he says, I can find you, I can save you. It's when you feel guilty that he says, I can justify you, I can take away the penalty of your sin and place my justification, my righteousness upon you. I'll take your sin, you take my righteousness. It's when you feel yourself to be poor that he says, I can, you can have my riches. That's what the voice of Jesus tells us. That's the life-giving voice of Jesus, that when you know yourself to have sunken to the lowest of places, that he says, I can raise you up. I will raise you up. And then you say to him, I have nothing to bring, Lord. I have nothing to give. I have no money. I have no status. I have no goodness in me. I have no merit. And he says, that's fine. I can and I will take you. Just as you are poor, naked, penniless and worthless. And I will give you what is mine. Because it's for you that I came to die. It's for you. It's, it's you that I came to seek. That is the gospel. That is what the Lord speaks of. That is what we need to hear. By the work of the Spirit. Calling a sinner by his special, providential, supernatural, miraculous work. Lord Jesus says, truly, truly, or most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear it will live. Can you hear the voice of God? Can you hear the voice of the Son of God? Because he promises you life. Not life that lasts for a season and then is taken away. Not mortal life, but immortal spiritual life, true life. Life that is what you need. A life with no condemnation, full justification. You know what justification is? Justification is that you're under the penalty of your own guilt. You've sinned, you've fallen short. The wages of your sin is death. And God is angry at you. But if Christ, if you hear the voice of Christ, you're justified by faith in Him. God no longer looks at you through the lenses of your own sinfulness. He looks at you through the righteousness of the Son. So that every time He looks at you, He doesn't see a poor, wretched sinner deserving to die in hell and to burn in hell for eternity. He sees the Son of God whom He loved from eternity past. And He loves you because of Him. True life. No condemnation. No sting of death. Even if you die, yet you live, the Lord Jesus says. Even if your outer body fades away, you know that in, in your inward parts, that in your spirit there is an eternal weight of glory. There is something that cannot be taken away by, this, by death. Death no longer has its sting. Why? Because the life you live now is not your life, it's Christ. 
It's Christ's. Because the life that the Spirit applied to your soul is not the life of, of, of is not a mortal life that can be taken away. The life that you have in your inward soul is the life of Christ through the Spirit. So what are the conditions, you might ask? What are the conditions? I want, you say, I want that life. What must I do then? Here. What are the conditions of the gospel? Here. Believe and be saved. Hear the word of God. Life comes through hearing the word of God. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says... Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Before it can be believed, the gospel must be heard. What is the gospel, you might ask then? The gospel is the story of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ according to scriptures. According to scripture, the fulfillment of the promised Messiah, the promised seed of the woman that was promised to Adam and Eve back in Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman that was foretold to them at the moment of the first sin of man that brought all this death. But it's not only hearing, is it? So that it's not just hearing. You just heard the gospel. You might say, oh, then, therefore I am saved. No, it's more than just hearing. It's hearing and believing. Hearing with your heart. And that is a work of the Spirit. That is a work that only the Spirit can accomplish. Our Lord Jesus said in John 6, chapter 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So believe hearing is more, more, more than just hearing here. It's believing it. And it's not just believing as a sort of mental assent. It's like, I kind of believe it. The preacher is being convinci- convincing, is, is, is being persuasive. I, I kind of believe it. Uh, does that mean I'm saved? No. It's not believing in what the preacher is saying. Is believing in who Christ is and what he's done. It's just not some casual assent to some facts that you heard and say, oh, I believe that to be true. No, it's believing in your inward most of hearts because you've been transformed by the Spirit that Christ is who he says he is. It's an entire conviction of your being. It's recognizing that Jesus is the only way. That he is the only truth. And that in him alone is life. It is a response of faith to the call of God. Again, I read John 6, 44. No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. God calls you. And then when God calls you, you come and Christ raises him up, raises you up 
first spiritually through the working of the Spirit, and then at the last day, physically, for the judgment of all men. And this salvation is a perfect salvation. It is yours. It is yours, and truly yours, if it's given to you. All that here will have life. It's a possession that is present now. And it is a perfect possession it's a done deal. It will never be changed or taken away. John 6, 37, the Lord Jesus says of this salvation, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and no one who comes to me will, will, will by no means I cast out. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. It's a perfect possession. And it is a powerful possession. It changes your life. It transforms you completely. You, come, you go from being dead to being alive for the first time in your life. You go from dead works to living works, Paul says to the Ephesians. Every believer who hears the voice of Jesus truly and believes in him becomes spiritually alive. There's a change in their hearts. You want to know how it looks like? You once hated Jesus. You hated going to church. You hated hearing about him. You didn't want him. You didn't want to please him. Even if he was a real savior, a real person, you didn't want anything to do with him. But after you're saved, you now, he now becomes your delight. You did not want to be like Jesus. You thought that Jesus was boring and, 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 and now you want to be like Jesus. That's your highest desire. Ask any Christian that you know of. Probably his, this testimony, his testimony will not be as different or it won't be so different from this. You didn't want anything to do with Jesus, but now your greatest desire is that he would be with you because that is your heaven in this world. You see, what do you need as a sinner is for Jesus to speak to you and to convert you, to hear his voice, for the, for the Spirit to come and quicken your soul. And to give you life. And let me say this to the believers. You want to see your children converted? You want to see uh, this church filled again? You want to see uh, your neighbors brought to, to, to their knees before God? It is a work of the Spirit. And if it is a work of the Spirit, the only thing we have to do, the first thing, maybe the main thing, not the only, but the first thing and the main thing you have to do is to pray. To pray incessantly, to look to Jesus, for Jesus to speak to them. Through you, maybe. Through a leaflet, perhaps. But for Jesus to speak. You can speak a lot of words. I can speak a lot of words from this pulpit, and yet I can save none. But if Jesus would speak, even though I would remain quiet, 
people would be saved. You see, because means without Jesus are powerless. All the means and all the, the programs and all of the leaflets and all of the, the, the lessons and all of the th sermons that one might preach and write and how persuasive we might be if Jesus is not there, if Jesus is not present, if Jesus is not at work, worthless, valueless, vain. That's the story of that man that laid in the pool of Bethesda, isn't it? All those years there trying to, to be cured. All those years there waiting for the, the waters to be stirred. He was only cured when Jesus came into the picture. Nothing else would have cured them. But it was Jesus. And when Jesus speaks, when the dead hear his voice, when the dead hear the voice of the Son of God, those who hear shall live. Those who hear will live. You see, I asked, or I answered the question, what is the gospel earlier? What is the good news earlier? And yes, the good news are the, is, the, uh, is the, the truth that Christ came, lived, and died, and was buried, uh, and rose up on the third day according to Scripture. That is the gospel. But equally true, you could say that the gospel is hearing the voice of Christ. Is hearing him speak to you. Hearing him by the faith or through faith of the heart. That's what we need. That's what the world needs. That's what we all look for. In the context of this passage, and I'll close, I'll haste to end now. In the context of this passage, yes, the Lord Jesus speaks of another resurrection. And let me just read to you the, the, the continuation of his words. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this. I would argue do not marvel at the spiritual resurrection. And now he's going to say, because there is an hour coming in which all who are in graves will hear his voice. The second type of resurrection that he mentions to prove the first type. And when they hear the voice, they all come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can... Of myself do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. What is the Lord Jesus saying here? That actually there will come a time that upon hearing his voice, that he will speak, kind of as he spoke at the tomb of Lazarus, and he will speak to all of the world, a great proclamation, and everyone will be raised up from the dead. We're, we're told that first the believers and then the unbelievers. Paul says, or Daniel chapter 12 verse 2 says, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. 
And there is coming a resurrection day, at the great judgment day, at the, uh, at the coming, at the second coming of the Lord. Everyone will be raised up. Believers and unbelievers, every, famous people, rich people, people who have lived their best lives in this world and people who have died with nothing. The greats, the famous, the worse. Adolf Hitler will be raised from the dead. Kings, King Henry VIII will be raised up from the, the, the dead. Winston Churchill will be raised up from the dead. All of them, family members, everyone. He will raise them all from the dead. And all will stand before him. You too will stand before him. Doesn't matter if you're a believer or an unbeliever. All these millions of people at the great coming of our Lord will stand before him. I don't know how, where they're going to be fit into but in heaven probably there is a big place already prepared for this great, uh, or in, in some place there is already a, a, a big hall where these, all of these millions upon millions of people will stand before him in the presence of the creator of everything, of the judge of all the earth. The great question is, which kind of resurrection will that be for you? Is that the resurrection of life? Or is that the resurrection of condemnation? And the thing is, what you will be looking for is not if your life was perfect, not if your life was sinless, not if your life was lived in uh, in a holy manner. You will not be looking for perfection in the life of those who stand before him. In our lives, in your life. You will be looking, God the judge will be looking at the righteousness. And we will all be lacking. Unless the righteousness of Christ is imputed on our account. Unless the perfection of Christ is imputed on our account. And the only way that that happens is if you hear his voice, if you trust his word, if you receive him. If you behold his glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth, John says, so I ask you, are you saved today? Have you heard the voice of Jesus? Have you cast yourself by faith on him? Have you trusted him for his saving grace alone? Perhaps you've been thinking about it. Perhaps you've heard this invitation be given often. This uh, pleading be given. tell you perhaps you're thinking about it because the Lord is speaking to you tonight perhaps the Lord is calling you and what I would say is come today believe in him today and be 